morning. John chapter 10, verse 1 to 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Discharge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Thank you. Thanks, Nikki. So we today have a special guest preacher here with us. Uh, you may have realized we don't have anyone that you wouldn't recognize with us in the call. So it's actually one of our own that's going to be preaching. It's Les, uh, and he's obviously preached here at the bridge before. Um, but we at the bridge, uh, a couple of things. One, uh, we believe that it's really important to be training up different people to be able to do different things in the church. And so we're excited when we get opportunities for different people from the church to preach and share God's word with us. Um, and two, part of the role of being an elder, which less is, is, is being someone who teaches the church. Um, and so as an elder, this is something really exciting for us to be able to have him do today um, is share God's word with us. And so we're going to hand it over now to Les to share with us about Jesus teaching in this passage. 
Good morning, everyone. Can everyone hear me? Cool. Uh, it's good to see all of you here. It's nice to see faces. I can't get over how nice it is to see faces instead of seeing masks. And I'm envious, I'm actually envious of, of Eric because he gets to be in the US where they aren't wearing masks. Um, we have to pray for more patience here. Um, thank you, uh, Nikki, for reading uh, today's passage. Uh, during this period of Lent, we're, we're actually continuing with uh, our sermon series on the I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. As a recap, that there are seven of these statements where Jesus says, I am something. And each one of them shows us something really important about who Jesus thought he was and how he calls us to respond to him. Uh, this week, we'll be looking uh, at Jesus teaching, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And as we delve into the living word of God this morning, we're going to take a look at what Jesus is talking about when he makes these two statements and crucially what this means for us today. Specifically, we'll be looking at the following. One, that we are prone to wander. Two, that Jesus is different from the multitude of voices that we hear. And then we see that Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. And finally, we'll be looking at what the abundant life is and what it's all about. But before that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we, we thank you um, because um, you've given us this technology, you've uh, given us a place here to meet as a church and as a family, Lord, to look into your word. Um, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your words, Lord, would speak to us, uh, that would speak to us uh, boldly this morning, Lord, that we would um, respond to it, Lord, that it would resonate in our hearts. Um, Lord, I pray that the words from my mouth, Lord, would be divinely yours and not my own. Uh, Lord, speak to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So God uses, God uses stories and experiences in the Bible to describe that we are like sheep. In fact, sheep are mentioned no less than 500 times in the Bible, and shepherds are mentioned no less than 200 times. That is, that is a lot of talk about sheep and shepherds. And that tells us a couple of things. One, that sheep were commonplace at the time of the Bible, at the time this is written, in, in, in biblical times. Um, but the second is that there must be a reason why God uses this analogy so much in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The passage that we looked at today basically says that we are like sheep. Now, that may sound a little insulting to some of us. It's a little insulting to me because one of the first things I think of when I think of sheep is this, that sheep are dumb. Does any, any, anybody else think that? Sheep are dumb animals. And we find that insulting because we, we don't think we're dumb, do we? I, I don't think I'm dumb. I don't think uh, I'm, I'm stupid in any way. And so I get a bit defensive when I think about this. So what I decided, since I don't know too much about sheep, I'm not a shepherd. I decided that in the two weeks leading up to today, that I would do a little bit of research on the subject of sheep. And since I've prided myself on my intellect and not being dumb and stupid, I decided to read up on a few articles and watch a few YouTube videos. Now I know that doesn't make me an expert by any measure, um, but it's so easy, right? We just look at some YouTube videos and we read some articles, but, but I decided to go a step further. So I contacted a friend of mine 
who is, a, who is another pilot. And due to COVID, he, like me, isn't able to work right now. But uh, my friend Karam is a, is a pilot. And because he's not flying, he's decided to move back to New Zealand to be with his family. And his family lives on a farm. And on this farm, they have sheep. So they tend their sheep, their, their shepherds at some level. And so I've had a, a few long conversations with him about sheep and about shepherding. And I wanna share some of these things that I've learned in the past couple of weeks. In order for us to best understand the context of what's going on in today's passage, I wanna first draw our attention to a few things about sheep. The first thing is this. In general, sheep don't know where they're going. They appear as though they do. It looks like they know what they're doing and where they're going, but they really don't. Sheep actually need to be led, they need to be herded, they need a shepherd. Sheep will graze in a spot where their shepherds take them to. The shepherds will take them to a, a, a meadow or a spot of foliage and they'll graze there and they'll just chew on the grass. And if you don't herd them elsewhere and you don't shepherd them elsewhere, they'll chew the grass down to the roots. And then they'll kind of wander off and look for some more grass nearby, but they don't have a plan. They don't look for more meadows or more fields. If they're in an enclosed area and there's grass there, they'll just gnaw all that grass down to the roots and then they'll just look up and they won't know what to do. It's actually really cute, these white fluffy things. They, they, they don't know what to do. They need a shepherd. A shepherd. They'll wait for a shepherd to, shepherd to call them and then respond to that voice and the shepherd will bring them somewhere else. Are we then really like sheep? As I said before, I pride myself on the ability to have knowledge, to find information and act upon that. We are proud of our ability to drive and navigate in this world and make decisions based on the information that we get. We, we pride ourselves in being in control of that. We tell ourselves that all the time. I'm in control, I know what I'm gonna do, this is what I'm gonna do, we make plans about the future. So how can, how can I be dumb like a sheep? How can we be dumb like sheep? I don't think what Jesus is saying in this passage is that we're dumb like sheep. What Jesus is saying here is that the pattern of our hearts is like the pattern of a sheep. We're prone to wander. We're prone to wander. Now, one of the things I think of when I think of this propensity to, to wandering is, is shopping. And I'll give you an example. I'm gonna talk about my wife now and she'll probably give me a hard time about it later. But, but Steph uh, likes to go window shopping with me sometimes. And when we go to a department store, she likes to go to the food section. So think of a Japanese department store like Sogo or Yata. And then you would walk into the food section and she would like to go, and she goes to the food section because she wants to go for the samples. It's all about the free samples. So she walks in and she'll go, ooh, look, look, look at this anchovy. And she'll take a little morsel of that. And she'll taste it and she'll go, this is fantastic. This, this is the stuff. I'm going to buy this stuff. And then she turns to the right and she goes, whoa, look at that cake. And she gets a slice of that cake. And then she says, oh, look at that seaweed. I think I'll try a little bit of that seaweed. Oh, look at that green tea. I'll, I'll try that green tea. And this goes on for, for, for a long time. She'll, she'll hop from one station to another. And then she gets to the end and she'll go, how, how did I, how did I get in here? Are any of you guys like that? Now, before you 
start giving me a hard time about picking up my wife, um, I have to confess to you that the equivalent of the food section for me would be this. And some of you will be able to relate with me. It's Sham Shui Po. You guys know what I'm talking about? When we go to Sham Shui Po, and especially for me, I'm a guy, there's just so much to look at. And I start walking around and I say, oh, I want, I want that phone case. That's, that's the best. That's going to be the best case. Oh, look, look at that USB cable. It's got fabric braid on it. I, I think I want that one. That's going to last me forever. And I keep wandering around Sham Shui Po until I, I get to one place, which is Golden Computing Center. And that's, that's just dangerous, right? Because once you walk in there, you won't be able to find your way out. And you come out having bought all sorts of things, thinking you've gotten the best deal. Now, you might be thinking, oh, Les, that's, that's just shopping. That's, that's trivial things. But if you take the time to think about it, we're not just prone to wander when it comes to food or shopping. We're prone to wander across the board, aren't we? Church, it's April. How many of us still remember what our New Year's resolutions were? Do you remember what they were? I don't. Have you kept your New Year's resolution? See, the thing is, we have bad habits. We make these resolutions because we have these bad habits, and the resolutions are to stop these bad habits. And then come January or February or March, we slowly start drifting away. We slowly start wandering away. In the end, we go back to our old habits. The wandering doesn't just happen in, a, in five minutes in Shang Shui Po or 20 minutes in the food section. It happens in the short term and it happens in the long term. It happens all the time. We sang the song today, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And one of the lines in there is this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave, the God I love. Church, even as believers, as Christians, once we've settled on trusting and believing in Jesus, what we consider the golden standard, we are still prone to wander. We're still prone to not trust him. We're still prone to not believe him. What does this look like? Well, for those of us who've lost our jobs, I, I may lose my job, and I know the Lord will provide for me. I know will provide me comfort, but I, I start lashing around in anger and I start panicking and I start looking for any other job that I can that'll provide me some sort of income. Maybe you're going through bouts of anger and depression and instead of going to God, because you know God can help you, instead of going to God, you wander away. You wander to whiskey, you wander to drugs, you wander to those addictions. Maybe your marriage is going through a rough spot and you know that if you and your spouse take that to God in faith, that he can help you, that we learn to trust him. But instead, we wander away and we go to alcohol and we look to other places of happiness. We look to other relationships. Jesus knows this. He knows that we wander. He knows our wandering hearts. And then he gives us a warning. In the passage today, he rebukes the Pharisees. He calls these Pharisees false prophets, false teachers. Because see, if you're looking and wandering for answers, and people know that people, some people, will take advantage of that. 
They'll try and offer you an answer. They'll try and offer you the good life. They'll give you deals, preferential treatment, discounts, friendship, a romance. They'll tell you to try their way and that their way is the right way. Church, that's the first thing we need to recognize here is like sheep, our hearts are prone to wander. We need to recognize that we constantly look for a leader. We constantly look for a shepherd. So the challenge then becomes, if we're looking for something and all these voices are telling us, this is the way, this is the true way, this is the right thing to do, this is the mantra that you need to um, say over and over again, then how is Jesus different? I'm gonna be talking about uh, sheep again here. And, and the next thing I've been learning about that I wanna share with you is this. Let's, I, I want all of us to start thinking now about sheep pens. We're talking about sheep, now we're, now we're talking about sheep pens. Bear with me, this gets really interesting. Now, now at the time this passage was written, in the villages at the time, you'd have a communal sheep pen and it looks something like this. A communal sheep pen that was shared by the villagers. And what would happen is the shepherds, all the shepherds in the community would bring their sheep from out in the wilderness and they would keep them in this pen for a period of time, either for a festival or maybe overnight because it's cold in the winter time, or maybe the sheep were well fed and now they needed to be brought in for the night. So all the shepherds would bring their sheep and keep them in this pen. And then there would be a gatekeeper. The gatekeeper would stand or sit or even sleep right where this gate is right here. And he would stay for the night and he would guard the pen. And then the next morning, the shepherds would come back and they would, um, they would call their sheep. And this, this, is where, this is where it gets really, really interesting. Imagine four shepherds, They've all, they, they all have their sheep in the pen and they, the four shepherds would come back in the morning and they need to call their sheep out to continue to graze. And you'd have one sheep over, uh, one shepherd over here, and then another shepherd, maybe another two dozen uh, feet on this side, and another one back here, and another one back here. And then they would start calling their sheep. And this is, this is mind-blowing. They basically call their sheep the exact same way. So I was talking to my friend Karam, and he says, in, in, in New Zealand, this is how he calls them. He, he says, come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. In different parts of the world, it could be yella, yella, come on over. Or it could be yip, yip, depending on where you're from. But can you imagine this? There are four shepherds and they're going yip, yip, yip. And this is where it gets amazing. Every sheep that's in that pen knows where to go. They know who their shepherd is. And what's equally amazing is that each shepherd knows every one of his sheep. I don't know about you, but when you, when you talk about sheep, as you saw the picture just now, they're just a bunch of white, cute, fluffy animals. To me, all sheep look the same. But to the shepherd, each and every one's different. He knows them through and through. He's raised them since they were lambs. He can recognize their faces. So when they're calling, yip, yip, come on, come on over, and if one sheep accidentally walks over to the wrong shepherd, his shepherd's gonna take his staff with his, with his hook on and he's gonna hook him back gently and say, nope, nope, that's not where you go. Come on back, come on back. And another shepherd, if your sheep, if a sheep that doesn't belong to you is coming towards you, 
you as a shepherd are going to go with your staff. Nope, nope, you go back that way, go that way. A shepherd corrects his sheep's path. Sheep are amazing, aren't they? They're not so dumb after all. So Jesus uses this analogy about sheep and shepherds again to explain how he's different. He's different from the rest. With that in mind, let's turn to the passage. Let's, let's look at John. Um, we'll go to the beginning. If you can turn to turn, look at your handouts, the uh, first part of the passage, verse one, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. That was the gatekeeper that we saw earlier here in this picture. When he has brought when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse seven, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. You can say that again with me right now. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out, in and out of the pen, and find pasture. The thief, on the other hand, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Remember how we talked about how we're prone to wander earlier? Well, Jesus says that he is the door. And no, he's not just one of the many doors that we find as we're wandering around. One of the many doors that provides us answers about life, provides comfort and joy and abundance in this life. He's not one of those doors. He says here that he is the door, the one and only door. So Jesus says, wander no more, for I am the door. I am the way, as Kevin Murphy preached last week. The other thing about Jesus that makes him different is that he knows us. And in the analogy of sheep and shepherds, it goes like this. Sheep, sheep and shepherds know each other pretty well. As we talked about earlier, the sheep will only follow the shepherd's voice. He depends on the shepherd for food. He depends on the shepherd for water and protection. Back then, a shepherd would spend an entire day with his flock. So he knew his sheep's faces by heart. Jesus knows us. He knows each and every one of our desires. He knows the condition of our heart. He knows what makes you tick. He knows your trials. He knows your darkest secrets. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what makes you cry. He knows what makes you laugh. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses, your tribulations and your anguish. He knows you deeply. And he knows that even after you found him, he knows that we're still prone to wander even though we know he's our shepherd. Jesus draws another comparison for us here. He says this in, in, in verse 12, he who is a hired hand and is not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. And when he sees the wolf coming and leaves, when he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and he flees. A hired hand is someone who is just hired for the day, someone who's being paid to, to watch the sheep temporarily. He sees the wolf and he leaves and he flees because he's worried about himself. 
more than the sheep. He's selfish. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's scared. He doesn't care. But instead, and you can say this with me, Jesus says, I, on the other hand, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus knows us. Jesus cares for us as well, not like a hired hand. Jesus says, he'll protect us from danger. He's not just babysitting us. He'll protect us from danger because he cares for us. He has a vested interest in us. To put this in perspective, if you're going through a hard time and you need um, psychological help or some kind of therapy, you can, you can go to a therapist. But what is the difference between a therapist and Jesus? This was a question posed to me this past week. What's the difference between Jesus and a therapist? The difference is that the therapist wants your payment. If you don't pay, you don't get therapy. As we say, no money, no honey. In Instagram terms, it would be no hashtag, no merch, no merchandise. But church, Jesus doesn't ask for payment or fame. Jesus, on the other hand, cares. He wants to help and he wants to protect us because he cares for us, because he loves us. He also says here that we know him. It's not just that he knows us. We know him. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and I know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And that's the beauty of the sheep and shepherd relationship that he illustrates here is that the intimacy goes both ways. The good shepherd doesn't just care for us. He doesn't just know us. He makes himself known to his sheep. We can know him. This is the epitome of what a true relationship should be, to be fully known by somebody and to be fully loved by that somebody. If it doesn't sound easy, it's because it's not. Let's just think about relationships here for a second. We'll think about our spouses, think about our loved ones. If we knew every dark secret and every struggle, every addiction and every sin that our spouse has, we could potentially find it more difficult to love them. This is not the relationship that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a relationship where we're fully known by him, where he knows everything about us, and yet he loves us fully. So what makes Jesus so different? Well, we've looked, uh, he said he's the door. He's the only way. He also says he's the good shepherd and that he cares for us. He's invested in us. He'll take care of us. But hang on a second. Those four shepherds that we talked about who came to call their sheep out of the pen, wouldn't they all be good shepherds? They all know their sheep. They all know their faces. And the sheep all know them. They all respond to their voices. And they care for their sheep, don't they? Don't good shepherds care for their flock anyway? And that brings us to our third point, is that Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. In verse 14, once again, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay my life down 
for the sheep. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is completely mind-blowing because before this, Jesus was talking about sheep and shepherds the way people could understand. That analogy made sense. In essence, sheep provide for their shepherds and their families. They provide wool, they provide milk, they provide meat for the shepherd and his family. So if anything, sheep are the ones who lay down their lives for the shepherd. But now Jesus is saying something completely controversial. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. This isn't someone asking for payment from his flock. This is someone paying with his own life in order to protect the flock, in order to save the flock. Jesus is telling us this today, church, through this passage. And as we approach Easter, he's reminding us why he's come to earth. Jesus came to earth with one mission. He came to die for us. He came to lay down his life for his sheep so that he can protect us, so that he can give us an abundant life. And why does he do that? Because he loves us. That is how much he loves us. Let's look at verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Here Jesus is talking about um, the Gentiles, anybody who wasn't Jewish. He says, I must bring them in also, and, I, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Church Jesus reminds us today that he has come to die for us and save us. This is how much he loves us. He doesn't just care for us like a good shepherd does. He loves us unconditionally, unconditionally as the good shepherd, a shepherd unlike any other. And in order to rescue his wayward and wandering sheep, the good shepherd becomes the lamb who was slain. Now, if there's any doubt that we may have, if we are fully known and fully loved, this is the answer to that. We only need to look at the cross where the great shepherd of the sheep hung as a lamb in our place. That is how Jesus has made himself known to us. And therefore, we know him. We know he died for us. We know he rose again. The question then becomes, are we willing to trust him as our shepherd? Are we willing to be like sheep? Tim Keller uh, has a quote here, and he says, we, we like the sound of the Lord being our good shepherd, but we hate the truth of it. And that's true, right? Why is that? Why do we hate the truth of it? It's because it means trusting him means utter surrender, and it means complete lordship. For Jesus to be our good shepherd, we have to come to him releasing our own terms and conditions. Jesus is trustworthy. If we are like sheep that wander, we are also called to be like sheep who listen to his voice and surrender and follow him. In essence, we are to lay down our lives in surrender to him, the one who has laid down his life on the cross for us. 
Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Church, that's what happens when we begin to trust in him as our shepherd. When we begin to trust in Jesus, we begin to experience the abundant life. The word abundant simply means more than we need. An excess, more than what we could possibly need. And the analogy I like to use here is that of a, of a cup, an overflowing cup. And that's what it is. That's what it means, right? To, to have something in such abundance that it's just overflowing, an overflowing cup. Now, when we think of the abundant life, some of us may think of abundance in, in, in many different ways. Um, we may think of abundance of money. We may think of an abundance of comfort and, and an abundance of health, overflowing health and vigor. Some of us may think of an abundance of friends and relationships. I'll tell you what an abundance, a picture of an abundance is for me. Money, friends, good company, good food, on a yacht, sailing to Sai Kung, eating caviar. What is your idea of abundance? And crucially, who do you turn to look for that abundance? Some of us may look for peace. So we turn to the teachings of Buddha because that's what we're promised. Some of us want the abundance of money. So we try and read every article we can about Warren Buffett. Some of us think technology is the future and that's what's gonna provide abundance. So we wanna follow Elon Musk and what he says. See, we find many ways to describe abundance and many ways, there's many places where we wander to look for that. And it could change in different stages of our lives, just like we're hopping around some street or we're hopping around a food mall. We hop around and wander around different stages of our lives. So we've been looking today at what Jesus has been saying. Jesus says that he loves us. He's laid down his life for us. He demands no payment for it. He says, I'm here. I'm the door. He says, I care for you. I will look after you, no matter the circumstance, through your journey. Through your wandering, I will be right here. I am the door. Follow me. I will guide you. I am the good shepherd. He says he's not a thief. He's not a robber. He hasn't come to take away. Instead, he says this. He says, I have come to bring life and life abundantly. What is this abundant life? Well, Jesus came and he died. And he has risen. And he has paid the price for you and me so that we can have this abundant life. And this abundant life is not just something that we find in the afterlife. No, Jesus wants to give us this abundant life right here and right now. If we trust in him, if we respond to his call, if we hear him go, yip, yip, and we get up and we follow him. The analogy of sheep and shepherds has been used from the Old Testament, from, from Abel, uh, through Psalm, through Isaiah, through Ezekiel, and now what we're looking at today in, in the book of John. And if you go to BibleGateway.com and you look for what the most um, searched for verses are, one of them is one of the Psalms, which is Psalm 23. And I think it's one of the most famous Psalms in the Bible. If you've been in church for a period of time, 
may be really familiar to you. It's been really familiar to me because every day in my son Luca's school, he has to read Psalm 23 before, before they start class every day. And they've been doing that the entire semester. So I've been hearing it over and over again, but it's really resonated with me. We hear it so many times we forget what David is talking about when he wrote the Psalm. Now I'm gonna read this Psalm uh, verbatim. I wanna encourage all of us here to think about what we've learned today about Jesus being the door, Jesus being the good shepherd and what it means when he says he's here to bring abundant life. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's the shadow of death? Even though I walk through the valley of a job loss. Even though I walk through the valley of a broken marriage. Even though I walk through the valley of hunger. Even though I walk through the valley of war. Even though I walk through the valley of suffering, even though I walk through the valley of cancer, even though I walk through the valley of shadow, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are here with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, I think this is David's illustration of the abundant life. It is acknowledging that we are like sheep, that we wander, but it is acknowledging that Jesus is our shepherd. He is in control and we have him now and forevermore. Will we trust in him this morning? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for making it abundantly clear to us that you are the only way. No one comes to the Father except through you. Lord, in our grappling of life and the meaning of life, Lord, Lord we thank you, Lord, that you have come and you've paid the price because you love us so much. You've come and you've reached out to us, Lord. You call us, Lord, and you know us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a boldness, Lord, to stand up and follow you. Lord, give us the strength, Lord, to persevere so that we do not wander away from the fold. We do not wander away from you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your love and the price that you paid on the cross. Thank you the abundant life, Lord, that you bring right here, right now, on earth, and in the life to come. In your name we pray. Amen.